0: For Thursday, September 2nd, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, one of the state's top infectious diseases experts says the current surge of the pandemic swamping Georgia is in part due to low vaccination rates. The highly transmissible Delta variant is exploiting
1: that lack of immune protection. We basically had a lot of unvaccinated people here in Georgia. And if you're unvaccinated, this virus is going to find you.
0: Emory University's Dr. Carlos Del Rio joins me to discuss the current state of the pandemic now that coronavirus infections and hospitalizations in Georgia are about as bad as they've ever been. That's next.
1: At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.
0: From WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. The podcast where they read stories features adaptations from both chapter books and picture books. Join us at wabe.org slash stories podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: W-A-B-E.
0: Sounds Like ATL is a music documentary series that takes an in-depth look at the artists amplifying Atlanta's famed music community. Built around a desire to highlight Atlanta's diverse and world-renowned music scene, each episode features unforgettable, intimate musical performances by fresh new musical guests, each with exclusive interviews about the stories behind their music. Listen to Sounds Like ATL Saturday evenings at 7 on WABE and WABE.org. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations in Georgia now rival levels seen during last winter's surge. The pandemic is about as bad as it's ever been in the state. Dr. Carlos Del Rio, infectious diseases specialist at Emory University, says there are a few reasons Georgia is here again. He's with me now to lay out just what those reasons are and where things go from here. Dr. Del Rio, good to talk with you. Always
1: fun to be with you, Sam.
0: Georgia is now entering what is now the new worst point in this pandemic so far. Hospitalizations are higher than they've ever been. Case rates are higher than they've ever been in the state, now surpassing what we saw in the winter. How did we get here? Because I think a lot of people at the start of the summer thought we wouldn't reach this point again.
1: Well, Sam, we got here for two reasons. Number one. We got here because the virus changed, right? The Delta strain is a very different virus. It's not the virus that we saw initially from Wuhan. It's not the virus that we even saw in December. And you have a virus that's about 60% more infectious than the Alpha strain and a lot more infectious than the original strain. To give people an idea about this, I remind them that the original strain from Wuhan had what we call a reproductive number, a transmission number of about two and a half to three. That means that one person infects two and a half, two and a half infect each one of them, two and a half. If you do this through 10 reproductive cycles, you get to about 9,600 and and change number of infections. When the virus became a Delta virus, that reproductive number went from two and a half to six. Then you, you you say, well, six people infect six persons and six person infect six people and on and on and on. What that means after temper productive cycles, now you have 60 million people infected, not 9,000, but 60 million. So it spreads very rapidly through the population and spreads very rapidly through the population of unvaccinated individuals, which gets us to the second reason why we saw the surge. We basically had a lot of unvaccinated people here in Georgia. And if you're unvaccinated, this virus is going to find you. So what we're seeing is unvaccinated people Becoming infected, getting ill, ended up being in the hospital, ended up in the ICU, dying.
0: Did you think we would ever be here again at a point when we were seeing cases and and hospitalizations this
1: bad? Well, you know, I hope we wouldn't because when we started to see vaccinations go up and cases come down, I thought we were in a good track. But obviously, the appearance of Delta and the rapid spread of Delta change that. And all of us that have been tracking the global pandemic it has been seeing what Delta did to the UK, we're very, very concerned. And I can tell you that the moment I started to see our hospitalizations go up, I could pretty much say we're going to be way up there because, you know, just do the numbers. We have, depends where you are in our state, you had over 50% of the population unvaccinated. So if you have 50% of the state population unvaccinated, that's roughly 5 million people, right? So if you have 5 million people in the state that are unvaccinated, and you say, well, of those that are vaccinated, let's say 15% are going to get sick enough to require medical assistance. That's 750,000 individuals. And let's say of those individuals, let's say 20% are going to end up in the hospital and, and it's pretty sick. That's over 100,000 individuals. So pretty quickly, you start saying, oh my God, those numbers are really terrifying.
0: It seems to me just so striking that we are here because when we had our previous largest surge in late January, early February, we were just at the cusp of having these vaccines be available to, at that point, still a relatively small group of people. Now we're seeing this current surge with this vaccine available to anyone who wants it. And that to me, I think, is just what makes this moment so striking.
1: Absolutely. Well, we have this tool, and if we had vaccinated more people, we would not be where we are right now. And I think that's a really important lesson, not to get us over this surge, but I can tell you, the more people we vaccinate, the better prepared we'll be to the next surge, because this is not the last we'll see. We're going to see other surges. We're going to see other mutations in this virus, and we need to be prepared, and our best shield for defense is vaccines. So what then does get
0: us through this current moment? How do we wrap our arms around this kind of current crisis that we're dealing with? More cases than we've ever seen, and hospitals really push to limits that they've not been pushed to before.
1: So let me tell you what's going on in hospitals. You know, in the first wave that we had, you know, many hospitals closed down their procedures, closed down their clinics. So we were able to mobilize people into taking care of COVID patients. We essentially all became COVID hospitals, right? But now many of those patients who throughout the year did not get care are now coming in with complications, are now coming in for care. So what you're seeing is hospitals saturated with people who are sick with non-COVID illnesses. In addition to that, let's not forget the epidemic of violence that we're seeing, not only in our state, in our city, but throughout the nation. So we're seeing gunshot wounds, we're seeing stabbings, we're seeing road accidents. And then you add to that covid And you may say, well, you know, statewide yesterday, there were about 6,000 people hospitalized with COVID. You can say, well, that's not a lot of beds. It is when your hospital is already at saturation. So all of a sudden, those COVID patients take up ICU beds, take up other beds. And before you know it, you know, as of yesterday, over 93% of our ICU beds in the states were occupied, not just with COVID, but with a variety of different illnesses. But what that does is, you know, if you have A heart attack and you an you but you may not find one, and that to me is really the part that is very, very complicated is that we're trying to take care not just of COVID but of everything else that has happened. In addition to that, I think what you have is a very exhausted workforce. I mean, I think all of us in healthcare went into this initially like to go to battle, but right now people are having. You know, battle fatigue. People are exhausted. And I think what that does is it creates a sense of uh, frustration and it makes it very hard for people to continue to do a job with a smile and with passion. You also have something that has happened nationwide, which is we have seen a war among the states for nurses. We have seen nurses all of a sudden, when there was a surge in California, say, Hey, we offer you $5,000 a week to come work over here. So we would have nurses. From Georgia, to California to go work and make a lot of money. Many of us kept in touch with those nurses and say, Hey, when you come back, come back work. But many of those nurses have decided, well, you know, I made all this money, I, I'm gonna take a break. I can afford not to go back to work. So you have a, a variety of different issues competing that is making nursing be in very short supply.
0: You work at Grady, you work at Emory. Are we to a point where hospitals are having
1: to ration care? You know. I think it's hard to know, you know, I I don't like to say we're at that point because it's amazing how we are finding the ability to do what we need to do. I tell people when you have a crisis, uh, you need three things, right? You need space, you need stuff, and you need staff. Space we can find. An endoscopy lab can be turned into an ICU. A a pre-op area can turn into an ICU. You can buy stuff, you know. People bought ventilators, people bought this, people bought that. We're having, for example, some shortages of some things like some of the drugs used when somebody has very severe COVID are in very short supply right now because essentially they're, they're being consumed throughout the country, right? Then the third component was is staff. Staff is our biggest challenge right now. And we're having to ask staff to work extra shifts to do this, to do that. I mean, we're doing whatever we can to keep functioning and providing the care we need to provide, but there is a cost associated with it and it's a significant cost. And that's why, you know, again, I appreciate on his last press conference, the governor saying, look, you know, we need to support our healthcare workers. At the beginning of the pandemic, we got cheers, people brought food. Right now, all we need is for people to get a vaccine, wear your mask, be careful. If you can do something to benefit healthcare workers, is don't get infected.
0: This is, did you wash your hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Dr. Carlos Del Rio, Infectious Diseases Specialist at Emory University, about the current state of the pandemic in Georgia. Speaking of the governor, last month, Governor Brian Kemp announced some $125 million that he said the state was going to dedicate to trying to send about 1,500 health care workers to hospitals across the state that are struggling with staffing right now. I have heard from other folks who work in health care that that might not work all that well because there simply aren't enough healthcare workers out there to potentially fill those spots. What do you make of that plan from Governor Brian Kemp? Is that the kind of push that you think is potentially going to have any impact?
1: Well, it's better than nothing. I mean, it's useful. We have been talking about a lot of those people are not clinicians. They're not clinically trained. So you can't say, well, I'm going to be a nurse in the ICU, but you can get them to do jobs that currently nurses are doing that don't need to be doing, like, you know, bringing food trays for the patients. I mean, there's a bunch of things that nurses normally do that are not necessarily nursing jobs, and you can get those people to help with those so the nurses can concentrate in true nursing work.
0: What else would you like to see state leaders do at this point? Are are there specific concrete things you think state leaders could do to help the current situation?
1: One thing that we need to see more of is the use of monoclonal antibodies. Once people are infected, getting them quickly and those that are high risk of progression to hospitalization, getting them quickly into monoclonal antibody therapy is an important step. And while healthcare systems are doing this, we need easier and better ways to get people into monoclonal antibody therapy because it is an approach for both treatment and prevention.
0: How about something like a mask or a vaccine mandate at the state level, at, at local levels? Or are those the kind of measures that could have an impact at this point?
1: I've said, and I've said it over and over again, I think masks are important. I think we need layer protection. We need multiple level protection. The more different things we do, the better it is. I think masks should be required when you get above a certain number of I'm not happy to see many of our school districts uh, not wanting to wear masks. I'm really sad about how, how masks have become a political grenade and how it has created so much controversy. The reality is, you know, We could be in a different place. A mask are not perfect, but they clearly decrease the risk of getting infected. And the entire population would wear a mask at a population level. You can reduce transmission by about 20%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but listen, 20% is a lot if you can actually do that, right? So the divisiveness that has been created, I think has not helped us and has put us in a very tough situation. I would say the same thing about vaccines. Vaccines have become now politically charged. So everything seems to be, you know, all about politics. And we need to think that this is about health and we need to just take politics away from what we need to do. As a country, we've lost, you know, over 600,000 people. The Institute for Healthcare Metrics and Evaluation predicts we will have another, you know, 75,000 to 100,000 deaths by December 1st. At a state level, we've had over 20,000, 22,000 deaths reported. I mean, this is Really sad. This is this is tra- tragic, right? This is something that should not be swept aside and, and just say nothing happens. And and to me, right now, Sam, what what I'm very worried about, very concerned about is, you know, I'm in the hospital and I see, I feel like I'm I'm in a in an emergency. I'm in war, right? I mean, we're in panic mode. We're we're in war mode. I leave the hospital and I walk in Midtown and I see restaurants and I go to places and it's like nothing is happening. It's like I live in an alternative reality. And that to me is also concerning, right? Because I don't see the population taking the steps necessary to prevent getting infected. And if I can get a message to people, I would say, please do whatever it takes not to get infected. Mm -hmm. And if that means getting vaccinated, do it. If that means wearing a mask, do it. If that means not traveling over the uh, Labor Day weekend, do it. Do whatever you can, but don't get infected because we don't want you to end up in the hospital. We don't want you to end up being another statistic.
0: And I think that sets us up nicely for kind of charting the path forward. Where do things go from here? If we want to think about, you know, what the next few months looks like with regards to this current wave and maybe even where we might find ourselves six months, a year from now.
1: In this pandemic, one thing that has been very hard is to predict the future, right? And Making predictions about the future is extremely hard. And with this virus, it's just been incredibly hard. So we need to be ready for a lot of things. And People say, well, when are we going to peak in Delta and when is it going to go down? But well, it doesn't really matter because then there'll be lambda and there'll be another. So the one thing we need to do is I would hope to have leadership in the global fight against the pandemic in a way that we have not seen from the administration. We need a quantum leap in the level of global ambition to end this pandemic. I think our global response is stuck. People are talking about, oh, you know, we've donated X number of vaccines. You know, I can tell you that many of those vaccines are getting left at, at docking places and they need to be put into arms with people. You know, uh, vaccines don't work just by getting them to a country. You need to get them into people's arms. And therefore, we need to strengthen country capacity to distribute and deliver vaccinations. I'm hoping that at the U.N. General Assembly, coming up soon, uh, the U.N. appoints a special envoy dedicated to this. We need leadership globally. And I would hope the U.S. would step into that role. The second thing is on a nation uh, level, we need to come up with a way to develop some sort of national strategy with clear goals. Unfortunately, our strategy you know, our public health, the way we're constructed in our country, it's up to the states to implement public health. And we need to support our states to do the right thing. I mean, Dr. Toby is, is very capable. She's got some very good ideas, but she is fighting a population that has been politicized by people out there saying, you know, don't take vaccines. And, and we have politicians having rallies saying, you know, don't take vaccines. We have recently vaccine workers at a place getting booed and getting uh, aggression against them. You know, if you don't want to get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine. But don't impede those that want to get a vaccine from getting one. Don't impede the work of those that are trying to get vaccines. We need to really scale up vaccination because that is a key for getting out of this pandemic. And then the other thing is we need to have mitigation approaches. And whether it's masking, social distancing, whether it's limiting certain activities, whether it's making uh, requirements for certain events to be vaccinated, I think all of those things will help. So I think you can do a safe life, but you have to do things that are a little uncomfortable, but otherwise you're not going to be safe. And we need to realize that we have to think about the world in a different way as long as there's COVID out there.
0: I'm glad that you brought thinking about the world in a different way up. It seems to me, and, and what I've been thinking a lot about this summer, as I've heard state leaders like Governor Brian Kemp come out and say, he's gotten vaccinated, his family's gotten vaccinated, not getting vaccinated could you know, result with you ending up in a hospital, potentially on a ventilator, potentially dying of COVID-19, then in the same breath saying, but this is your personal choice to make. That kind of statement to me, I think, gets at what is a real underlying issue here, is that in this country, we are not taught to think of how one person's actions can impact other people around us. But really, that's the kind of situation we're in. And, and it seems like convincing people to change the way they think about their relationship with the rest of society, that that's going to have to happen <laughs> to really bring this to an end, and that that's an even bigger effort than trying to get, you know, shots in arms or or people to wear masks.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that the biggest tension we have right now is that people want this to be over. I want this to be over, but the reality is very different. And we cannot continue to pretend that this is over and think that things are going to be just fine, right? Because the reality is that this is not over and it's not going to be over when we want. It's going to be over when it's over and it's up to us to do the right things until then. To prevent hospitalizations, to prevent disease, to prevent death. I mean, it really is is down to us, and and I think we need to see what has happened not only in Georgia but in, in all the southern states and and the huge increase we had in cases. You need to see it as really a, a moment of of reckoning and really saying we need to to come together and we need to to not only you know take care of ourselves but take care of our families, take care of our community, and try to do whatever we can to prevent COVID from killing any more people. Dr.
0: Carlos Del Rio is an infectious diseases specialist at Emory University. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at WABE.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening.